With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome in, everyone, to our Cracked Rackets live pregame show for the 2021 French Open Men's Singles Final. Alex Gruskin, so excited to talk all of you through the final day of this year's second Grand Slam. And joining me to recap yesterday's women's final, break down today's men's final, a man you will be very familiar with if you are a Cracked Rackets listener. You may know him as the host of the Monday Match Analysis Show, host of Three, a tennis show. I know him as my eyebrow nemesis, Gil Gross. Gil, welcome back to our Cracked Rackets platform. How are you doing, my friend? I'm great. It's, uh, it's a little strange talking to you this early. You're more of an 11 p.m. friend, but uh, it's still it's still good. I'm very excited. And man, I mean, 30 minutes until the final. Since I took this job full time at Crack Rackets, I can list on both hands the amount of times I've gotten up before 9 a.m. Like it's and it's not a high list and it's something I'm very proud of. Normally it involves us on a broadcast or some sort of national indoor event or a Grand Slam final like we have today. And obviously uh, the big match of the day, everyone will be watching Novak Djokovic looking to capture his second French Open of his career, 19th Grand Slam overall. Take it on a first time slam finalist in Stefano Tsitsipas. Now let's start today's pregame show with just a discussion of how these two players got here and let's start with Novak Djokovic you look at the number one player in the world obviously the big result for him he knocks off Rafael Nadal becomes the first player in ATP history to have beaten Nadal twice at Roland Garros you look at that result for him it was a four set victory three six six three seven six six two that I'm going to say featured peak Novak Djokovic Gil, and I think that's the place we have to start if Novak shows that level today we don't need to watch you can just pencil in a straight set win for him right I thought he was that good yeah and I think you're right and uh it was one of the great performances of his career I think it'll finish in the top five in terms of Djokovic matches that you can say he was just absolutely stunning and I don't even think you would count like the 2015 win at the French over Nadal in the, uh, on that list. So I don't think it's just the fact that he beat Nadal. It is literally how well he played and just, just executed this game plan that I think a lot of people have had against Nadal and just no one's able to uh, been able to do it. You know, things like, oh, get the return to the backhand. It's like, <laughs> okay, I'll try my best, but I'm probably going to fail at that. It, Novak uh, just, he, he got it. You know, he was able to do it. Mm-hmm. And then baseline patterns as well were just spot on. Yeah, there was, there's been a precision and a drive to Novak that, to be honest, I haven't seen, I would say since maybe that 2018 season after such a disappointing 2017 when he bounced back and, you know, again, put together one of his vintage years. You look for Djokovic, straight set wins through his first three matches. They were wins over Sandgren, Cuevas, and Barankas. The fourth round match versus Musetti was tricky in that 
Djokovic served really well. The the sort of you know the serve and the plus one ball were locked in, and I think that precision translated into the Berrettini match as well. And you look between those two matches, I think he was broken what like one time in his entirety during the course of those two matches, and you could just tell watching him in those for in those round of uh, sixteen and quarterfinal matches that he was working for that Nadal match, that he was focused on being so precise with the plus one ball, obviously when possible attacking uh, both the yeah. forehand wings of Berrettini and Musetti, knowing that's the ball he's going to have to hit against Rafa, but also keeping them honest and playing to the ad wing as well. And that was something I thought he did particularly well against Rafa's playing to both wings. And of course, the thing he's able to do that no other player in tennis history is able to do is hang with Rafa physically over the course of five sets. And I think that is the thing to note heading into today's final. If he is as locked in physically as he was in that match, then as we've learned in tennis history, there's nothing anyone can do, let alone Stefano Tsitsipas playing in his first slam. So to me, that's that's the big takeaway is, is he going to be able to replicate that physically? Because the tennis has been within the margins in every performance, but physically he took that Nadal match to another level. He looked fresh in the fourth set, Grusky. I, I don't know if you if you thought so as well. I you know he looked like a daisy out there. So uh, some people wondering if if he's going to be able to recover and kind of get up for this match. I think you know there's some emotional challenges because it really did feel like kind of like the final, and now he's got to play another match. Um, and he can't let himself feel like that. But I think he knows that he he's been. This is his 29th major final. That is a ridiculous number. Uh, he's almost at Federer's 31 um, and he'll probably, he'll probably be passing that and becoming the player who's played the most major finals in history. Um, like, I just think he gets it physically and, and mentally, and we're going to see a decent, you know, a good version of Djokovic with, I don't know if we're going to see the version of Djokovic that took down Nadal, just because I think that's in the upper you know, 95% of, of how well he can play, but he shouldn't have to need that. Although I think, you know, I, I do give Stefanos uh, Pass a lot of respect in this matchup. Yeah, no, there's something to finishing the job though. And I think that's the scary part if you're the Pass camp and you got to wonder if Stefano's sitting there. And by the way, you say fresh as a daisy. I feel like Djokovic is more like a CBD oil. Like he's just something in unnatural, something just weird. And you're like that. He's not a daisy. Fresh as a, a gluten-free <laughs> yeah, uh, cracker. Exactly. Yeah, Fresh yeah. as a gluten-free communion cracker. Um, but no, I, I think when you look for Novak Djokovic, again, you're right. Like if he, I, he's probably not going to, you have to play the peak of your performance. If you're going to beat Rafael Nadal in three sets of clay court tennis. And what was so impressive again, for him to lose the first two games, the way he did even, and go down that five, uh, four love deficit and, or five love deficit and roar yep. back in that first set, you could kind of feel, okay, he's coming. And you look for Novak again, overall, just to put a bow on his side of the equation, 49 and eight in his last 52 weeks uh you look for him obviously finals of his last three slams now in his career and he's the only guy who this applies to by the way he's won 83 percent of his uh career atp level matches 84 percent on hard courts you think oh okay there's a drop off for Djokovic on hard courts to clay right well he drops from 84 to 80 percent gill and yes the numbers do drop off a little bit four percent drop in first serve effectiveness two percent drop in second serve effectiveness five percent drop in hold percentage overall 
but the break percentage actually jumps 3.7% to 35.7, which by the way, would be the best in history, not particularly close. And he still wins 54% of his total points. Like I, I do think this Novak Djokovic on clay, we saw the movement, we saw the effectiveness of his first strike. He looks as good on a clay court as Gabber has. Yeah, I, I didn't think so for a while recently. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought the forehand just wasn't really doing enough damage, which is just, it's so important on a clay court uh, that, that your forehand is a weapon and you're getting through the court, you're penetrating um, through you know some of the best movers and court coverers in the world. I didn't think he was really doing that. And uh, the Musetti match, his forehand was really bad in the first two sets. And since then, the forehand's been great. Against Nadal, it really looked like, I think if you watch like 2020, the 2020 final versus that 2021 semi between those guys, one of the biggest differences you'll see is just like how much racket speed he has on the forehand and how much RPM he's getting on the ball as a result. And he's just, he's developed that, or I don't know if he's developed it, but he's uh, began to utilize that like clay court, heavy topspin forehand, which you need. Like you can't just flatten the ball out and expect that you're going to get the same results that you're going to get in Australia. Uh, No, you got to hit a different kind of forehand. And I think he's hitting that forehand right now. It's been, it's been so good for him. And you mentioned the first strike tennis first serve has been good. So good all year, like just from start to finish, it's been so good this year. And um, there's a lot working for him in that respect. If he's going to serve that well, hit big forehands and neutralize every return, you're looking at a monster. Yeah, it's a guy who breaks the numbers. It's a joke. And, you know, again, it gets back to his movement as well. His aggressiveness with his footwork to hit the inside-out forehand against Nadal as well and go forehand to forehand, add corner to add corner. That's that's vintage Novak Djokovic. That's Novak Djokovic who's not worried about his, you know, physically leaving it all out on the court. He's not worried about, do I have to save some in the tank because I'm nursing this injury? No, this is a Novak Djokovic locked in. And as you mentioned, 28th. 29th Grand Slam final? 20, it's, 29th. Yeah, it's 29th, 29th now. He's played 28 already. Yeah. It's a joke. Like, it's, it's That's silly. That's the biggest mismatch, in my opinion. Do you agree? Mm-hmm. The biggest mismatch in this match is totally just mental and the ability to, to handle the moment. I, and I don't think Tsitsipas, you know, I don't, I don't think this should be, like, offensive if you're a Tsitsipas fan at all. I don't think it's a knock. This is normal. And you're in your yeah. first major final against a guy who's been in 29 that's a mismatch right there, you know, mentally. And some players are, are weird and they're, and they're immune to that kind of moment. You know, I mean, Stan Wawrinka handled all of his major finals very, very well, for example. <laughs> so there, there are exceptions. I just don't really see Tsitsipas as that guy who can be the exception uh, from a mental standpoint. I think the moment is going to be hard for him, but I also think he has the tennis to stay right with Novak. And that's why I'm, I'm thinking this is going to be a good match, but I think the biggest mismatch on paper is just the ability to handle those pressure moments. And you know, Apostolos Tsitsipas and Coach Mortelou are like, yes, but it's only his sixth French Open final. So it's like he really hasn't played here that much. Um, no, I mean, is there an opportunity for a letdown for Novak Djokovic? I feel like he has come lo- out locked in at the start of his last three, honestly, all six matches he's played here in Paris in a way that sometimes he's not. Sometimes it takes him a second to put his foot on the gas and really run away with matches. And I mean, again, he lost those first five games, but he should have won the first two games in that. Like he was the better player in all 
four sets, in my opinion, against Nadal. But again, that's that's the other side of the equation. Uh, let's look at the guy who's going to try and upset him today in Stefano Tsitsipas, number five seed, playing in his first Grand Slam. And let's be honest, it's a Grand Slam he's earned. You look at the course mm-hmm. since the pandemic uh, resumed, he has now made the quarterfinals better in 13 of his 18 events. You look for him overall. He's won 55 of his last 72 matches. That's a 76 win percentage. He's currently, if you look at 2021 stats, only one of six players to be top 15 in both hold percentage and break percentage. Those six guys, by the way, make a lot of sense when you hear the names Djokovic, Nadal, Medvedev, Zirev, Rublev and the best player in the world in Karatsev. I think we can all agree, uh, but you look, you know, Stefano Tsitsipas, oh, so I guess it's seven. He belongs in that group as well. You look at his wins to get here. He has earned this spot. There is no denying it. Wins over Shardy, Pedro Martinez, then seeded wins over Isner, Karino Busta, Medvedev, and Zverev in five sets. The thing about that semifinal that I think stands out coming into today's match and the difference between the two players Novak Djokovic just played his best match. I don't think Stefano Tsitsipas has played his best match yet in this tournament, Gil. And I think that is where you start today's conversation in the course of an upset is if Tsitsipas just has one of those days when his forehand is clicking, because when he does, he can beat anyone. I think it's almost good. I think, yeah. I think that's kind of what you're getting at. But like, he's just felt, he's felt very big three-ish in the sense where he's not ever like needing to redline his game to, to get to pick up these wins, at least on this surface, uh, you know, the, the PCB match, the Isner match where that got tricky and he was playing a dangerous version of John Isner, which is his kryptonite, that, that big server, that's going <laughs> to challenge his return. And he gets through that pretty solidly after saving a very clutch break point in the second set. Uh, and I, I don't feel like he's had an easy match, you know, in terms of his draw, I don't think there's been a single one where it's like, Oh, you know, to, Tsitsipas gets a break this round. Like this is an, an opponent that doesn't isn't really threatening for for the stage that he's in. And the fact that he's just been focused every single time he's taken the court, um, and it's been pretty comfortable. And then against Verev, you know, it, it, you're right. I think it was far from his best tennis. I think a lot of that was just the pressure on both men. You know, it was very human. There was so much on the line there. And now he gets to play an underdog role against Djokovic, which is going to be a little bit easier for him, I think. Uh, mentally. And I know I just said the opposite about, about the moment and how difficult it'll be, but I think the same was true for the semifinal and there was a different kind of pressure, maybe even more pressure. No, you know, one of our sayings here, crack rackets, two things can be true. Uh, absolutely. The fact that it's his first grand slam final matters and he's going to feel those pressures at the same time. There's also a little bit of a nothing to lose when you're playing a Novak Djokovic or a Rafael Nadal, particularly at this stage. And, Look, again, Tsitsipas lost three times in the 2021 clay court season. It was to Rafa in the Barcelona final. It was to Kasparud in Madrid. And it was to Djokovic. And those losses to Djokovic and Nadal were both three set losses. And you just look at that fact. He'll have a belief to him. And this is something we talked about since the beginning when we had our contenders conversation. There is a gumption to Stefano Tsitsipas that a lot of these next geners don't have in that you know, he's going to swing. And because we're live, I'm not going to swear, but there's an effort attitude to Stefano Tsitsipas. And then it's like, look, if I hit my forehand big, if I hit my serve big, I'm going to win the match. Now, what was so interesting in that Zverev match, A, 
you're up above 40 in the first game of the fifth set. So you're up. How many times have we seen him lose that game now in his career? The answer is too many times. But B, CT Pass kind of identified the fact, oh, wait, all I have to do is push backhands into the, you know, just push balls into the, you know, outer thirds or push balls deep into the court. And he's not going to try and rip a winner on me. And I can just physically grind him down. And I don't think we would have seen that from CT Pass that gear even as recently as the start of 2020. I mean, there's a point where he played like four slices in a row on the backhand side and he lost them or he lost the point, but he doesn't do that. And it was, it was really interesting to see that gear. And I think that that's the sort of tennis he's going to have to play today at points where it gets a little nasty, gets a little grimy because Zverev just does a, or Djokovic just does a really good Zverev impression. And like, <laughs> I, I think that Matt, like, I think there is a pathway where if Tsitsipas just kind of swings freely on his serve and then is willing to grind a little bit, wait for those opportunities. Again, it depends which Novak shows up, but he's played a high enough level to get there. Yeah. I think Tsitsipas has matured to the point where he realizes that like, regardless of the fact that this is the highest level of men's tennis, we're talking about tons of firepower on most of their, you know, most of the serves and the forehands. It's also like, you can't miss, like you better not miss. And I think he, he now understands like his limits and his shot selection and what it means to just play high margin, high percentage offensive tennis. I think he needs to move forward a lot in this matchup. Otherwise, you know, Novak's defense is, is probably going to give him trouble. I think Djokovic is going to get it onto Tsitsipas' backhand side a ton, just like he did to Rafa. He's so precise. He's, he's so good at executing that. And it's, you know, how is the Greek going to handle it? Is he going to be able to stay patient and, you know, trade cross court and wait until, until he gets a forehand? Or is he going to be able to come up with the variety on his backhand side that is going to, you know, easier produce and, and generate some offense and some short balls to, uh, to set up the forehand. It'll be very interesting to see. And also is his serve big enough that against a returner as good as Novak, as, as great as there's ever been, is he going to get those forehands he needs on a, re- on a regular enough basis to start the point with them and, and to do damage right off the bat? Well, we saw the way Djokovic was able to lock in and just pinpoint every return to the Rafael Nadal backhander at a minimum, get that ball at his feet. There's no doubt he's going to have the ability to do that against Stefano Tsitsipas. Now, I would argue the Tsitsipas first serve at this point in particular is bigger than Rafa's. Uh, even on these clay courts, just the way it rips through the court, the way it's more effective. But you saw the way Djokovic returned against Berrettini. And like, yes, Berrettini was holding serve, Djokovic had a lot of chances in the Berrettini service games. And if he can return like that again, that that's the worry is Djokovic has seen a little bit of every game style. There's only one Novak Djokovic and as good a proximity as Daniil Medvedev or Zverev does at times. It, it's a whole new monster. Yeah. And, and the second serve is key too. Like you need to mix that up. If you're just going to hit a kick serve to Novak's backhand on every second serve. It's He's not Alex plan. Zverev. Yeah. It's not going to work. Yeah. Right. It's such a bad play. Like you must hit to the forehand as well. Like you have to. So I'm curious. Nadal didn't do that in Nadal, Every second serve was to the backhand and it was the same exact serve. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, Novak's too good for that. I mean, so th- that's another thing that I'll, I'm I'll just thinking the Rafa, just like the lefty slice in it's like, yeah, you're right. That slice is going down the T and out wide, you know, where it's happening. Um, but no, it's, 
you know, for Tsitsipas, again, the numbers speak for themselves. We mentioned them a bunch on our Crack Rackets podcast. His hold per, or his hold percentage stays relatively similar when transitioning between hard courts and clay courts, 86.6 on hard, 84.5 on clay. Those are still top five elite of the elite numbers. The big numbers, his break percentage it goes from 18.6 on hard courts to 27.8 on clay. That's from going from 41st in the ATP top 50 to 14th. That's a completely different player. And for someone to still serve at a top five level, regardless of surface, but have those return numbers jump up, that puts you in the elite category. And I think my question is, has Djokovic been serving well enough that Tsitsipas isn't going to have those opportunities to run around the ball, hit that first forehand as a return? Because when he's been able to do that, he's been able to take control of points and break opponents, despite you know the, the height advantage, the big serves of Zverev and Medvedev. It's interesting. I agree. Like the second serve, he's going to have to be aggressive with, but he's also going to have to be aggressive with his return. Gil. He's just going to have to be aggressive. Oh yeah. Uh, Novak's second serve has been slow. Attackable. Slow. Like I, but a lot of, a lot of guys have just been like not pass. I mean, it's, I don't, I haven't really seen anyone look to actually, you know, hit punishing. Musetti. Musetti's the one. Okay. I almost feel like that's something that the the women just do way better than the men. Like on on second serve returns, it's just like okay, let's let's use this and do damage. And I understand the the second serves are are a little bigger on the men's side, but sometimes I wonder like why are there not more Jan Lennard Stroofs? Like go after the second serve return. Anyway, uh, I think Titi, it's a weird tangent. Uh, I think Titi Pass. Um, no, it gives me an excuse to bring up Savalenka. If you hit yeah. her a second serve, <laughs> the point is over. It's just, is she making or missing the return? Yeah. So I, I'm surprised that there's not more of that. Novak's hitting his second serves. I know he averaged, I think, 82 miles per hour against Nadal. I can and, do that. Yeah. And if you, exactly, you can do that. If you didn't, that's your flat serve, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> If, if you didn't check that on Infosys, then I don't know that you would have known because I don't think Nadal was, you know, being particularly assertive off that return. I think Tsitsipas needs to. Yeah, Nadal's also at the back fence. Tsitsipas will not be. Tsitsipas will be taking a more aggressive position. I think he'll look to get in the court. And I do wonder for him physically – how is he going to hold up after playing that five set match? Because it, it, even if it wasn't the physical side, I should say how he holds up mentally, because that was a draining match to be up two sets to love, yeah. to see that deficit erased. And then, you know, to flip the script and play just a momentum adrenaline filled fifth set. How do you respond to that fact? I also was wondering, you know, la- you know, last thoughts here. As Tsitsipas is watching Djokovic and Nadal, that match unfold, is he happy? Is he like, yeah, give me more tennis. Four hours? Yes. Hit the five-hour mark. Like, keep going. Or is he thinking to himself, oh, my God, I have to beat one of these guys. Like, I am so effed. It is just like, he's like, <laughs> Dad, like, I'm not winning. Can we just, we agree, right? Yeah, I, I think it's uh, I think it, it's an intim. If he watched that match, I think that's intimidating. Like, yeah. I just think that's the level that they got to. And you know, uh, Steph's on social media. You have Andy Murray tweeting, "This is the greatest match of all time." You have Andy Roddick saying, "This is one of the greatest matches I've ever seen." I don't even agree with these people. Like, I think that they were. Uh, I think their appreciation for Rafa and Novak kind of 
put them in that place where they were making those claims and I don't really think they're true, but uh, <laughs> no, nonetheless, nonetheless, no, I, think that- I saw Maria Sakari tweet out, man, these two are way better than any other player in the men's straw. <laughs> yeah, she did. No. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> would have been, been something. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. Emotionally, I, I agree. Tsitsipas said he suffered some emotional uh, periods of emotional breakdowns in the semifinal. Yeah. So that is a challenge. I think we we did hit on um, just mentally how challenging this will be for Tsitsipas compared to Djokovic, who also, he has a challenge in itself, kind of getting up for this one after such an incredible win in the semifinal. But um, yeah, that that's a challenge. And mentally like it, you have to give some intangible edge to Djokovic in this match no doubt about that and we've talked about the tactics we've talked about the mental edges I will say just quick tangent how fun would it have been to have just the battle of the villains in Zverev and Djokovic in this final I feel like we missed out on a chance for everyone to be like man I'm hate watching this match like just <laughs> that, on principle um but no, it's, it, I feel like it's a, it's a really fun storyline. And again, you look for Stefano Tsitsipas when you're winning 76% of your matches, when you've reached now semifinals or later at the Grand Slams in your last three slam events, when you've won your first Masters event, you're ready to make a slam final. So there's no doubt he belongs here. Now, again, I believe for Djokovic, he's got the chance to join Laver and Emerson, I want to say, as the only three players on the men's side to have won each men's singles slam twice. So that is, and of course, he got the break of serve, by the way. This is his chance to get 19 before Rafa Federer can get 21. And, you know, you look at the long-term thinking, he's also got the chance of perhaps a golden slam this year, winning all four in the same calendar year. All of these things are at play. With that in mind, who you got? Give me a score line. Um, oh, I forgot that you asked for the exact scores. You're so, you're very, it's very demanding. I like it. That's, that's not to be. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no, I was going to say, give me sets as well, but yeah, yeah. look, uh, you know, you know, high standards here. Yeah. I don't give um, you a green screen background like this for nothing. So give me, give me, uh, I think, I think Tsitsipas wins the, let's say he wins the first set. I'm gonna so go the over under, I think is 39 and a half, which is implies that they think it's going to go four sets as well. Yeah. I, and I, I have it going for, I'd be more surprised. That's tough. I might be, I'm probably more surprised if it goes three. Then if it goes five, I think I could see it go five before. Um, but yeah, I kind of like Tsitsipas to keep this close. I just don't like him to win it. Like, I just don't like him to cross the finish line. But I, you know, I think that the Greek has a good chance to to play on Novak's level for large portions of this match. So four sets, let's go with Stefanos wins the first uh, six, four. And then from there, um, in favor of Djokovic, six, three, seven, six, six, three. I like it. And just so you want to play a final, what the odds move to, guess what the line is? Final line. What is the final line? Do you want me to tell you? Or you want to guess it? Oh, I'm, I'm guessing it. Uh, Novak High is minus. Here. I, you know, it's tough. I don't know if it went up or down. Um, Novak, I'm going to say, I'm going to say is down to minus 315. So I guessed on the mini break podcast, minus 275. At the time, it was minus 250. It moved up, as you mentioned, to minus 340 last night. And I was thinking, oh, should I do a Djokovic Felix Nets parlay? And I was like, nah, I'll just watch the match and enjoy it. Um, Djokovic now down to minus 278. So a late pass push, late money going on the Greek player. That's interesting to me because if it goes five sets, 
I'm honestly leaning Tsitsipas. Like, I just think at that point, it helps to be 22, not 34. It helps to have not played Rafael Nadal the day before. That said, I think Djokovic wins in straights. Like, I just think he's going to hit that zone and close the match out and just finish the job and be like, last time I was here, I lost to Stan. I shouldn't have. At this point, I don't lose matches. I shouldn't at this stage. I'm winning this. And Uh, that's I just think we had Djokovic hit that gear I think if Tsitsipas keeps it close that's really like I watched Djokovic play really bad tie breaks against Musetti and Berrettini I don't want to play Stefano Tsitsipas in a tie break set if I am Novak Djokovic I'm trying to win this three three and three like and I think he's got that gear in him that's a good point I could see Djokovic winning in five sets because he's just not a normal 34 year old (laughs) that's true uh but but I I completely get that angle and I'm just, I think the line has corrected itself just rightly so, because it was just ridiculous when, when you play, they've played two matches in these conditions, right? Rome and Roland Garros, right? Two, two years in a row. And it's just been like a toss up match. So, you know, I get it. It's a major final Novak's playing a great level, but really like minus three forty when the last two matches have gone the way that they were, it didn't make much sense. Now I think the lines where it should be. So if you, if you didn't take advantage, um, oh, well. exactly that's what live betting is for but of course again the predictions uh gil has djokovic in four sets i've got djokovic in three sets final thoughts because i did say we'd touch on it barbara krechkova first uh woman since mary pierce in 2000 to capture both the singles and the doubles title uh yesterday in singles with a 6-1-2-6-6-4 victory for her over pavel Jankova. today her and her partner katarina sinyakova knock off bethany maddox sands iga Sviantek. here's what i want to frame the conversation around because it would be disingenuous to talk about the match in three minutes but with these accomplishments now multi-time doubles slam champion, multi-time mixed doubles grand slam champion, capture the singles and the doubles title at the same event in one sitting, and now a singles grand slam champion. Do you book her spot in the Hall of Fame already? Hall of Fame. Hmm. I'm not very good at like, I, I don't know that I'm, I'm Me very- neither. This is where our youthful naivete shows through the most where it's like, sure, put it like, what do I, Happy yeah, Ferrer, yeah. Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. Are, Hall of people Fame. People are like, don't do it. um i would say um yeah like i i i don't know if she's gonna okay in singles like i I love she played incredible tennis the whole time i think the doubles uh finals that she's been in 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 majors and the the championship she's won helped her in that match which was cool to see uh the strokes are super long so are they are do they work on quicker surfaces i would have questions about that and the sample size is so small that it's like, you know, I, I think those are fair questions for, for me to have about her singles game. But on clay, like I look for her to continue uh, with her ball striking and her timing. I look for her to continue doing damage. And, uh, you know, just with this new newfound confidence, I don't really expect her to be a flash in the pan. Like, I think she really does stick around and, and she's, a, you know, a, a top 30 singles player. More singles titles when they're uh, slam titles when they're done. Krejcikova, Pliskova are tied. Uh, Krachikova. Oh, it's a bold choice. Yeah, I mean, I like that you skirted the question. Um, I would say you probably have to put her in the Hall of Fame because total accomplishments, multi-time slam winner, all three levels, mixed, doubles, singles. 
even if she's not, I mean, she was number one in the world in doubles. Doesn't look like she's going anywhere else soon. I think she's already locked herself a spot. Like, first of all, who knows the criteria, but like she has a better case than David Ferrer at this point. I don't think you can deny that. It's very rude of you to bring up about yeah. Ferrer, about in, in my I'm presence. I'm not happy I- with it. Okay, I'm just saying, you know, you know, I'm a Ferrer guy, and you're thinking like, oh, like what example should we use of someone who shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame? And you're just like, how about Ferrer? <laughs> That's not right? the one what I we- use for the record. That's the one the people of that generation, uh, ones older than us, always use. It's like David Ferrer was very good, but it was he that significant to the game? Like, did he win a major? Did he only win the one Masters? And this is where he I get angry. He was significant to me. He was significant to me, and that well, should be enough. I agree. And it's also my thinking is if you can't tell the story of a decade without including that player in it, they're probably in the Hall of Fame. And I don't think you can tell the story of the 2010s without saying David Ferrer's name and explaining like totally. his role. And I don't know if that's the case for Krenchikova yet. In doubles, it might be. And now with this single slam as well, it's like, huh, like there's a 2015 to 2023 range where before Osaka took over and won everything or like Andrescu or let's be honest at this point, Iga Sviantek, um, and like, or Coco Goff. And Krechikova was one of those players who got her window in. And like, uh, we're not there yet, but we're almost there. I agree with you. I mean, it's going to be hard to, if she continues this kind of trajectory, it's going to be impossible to not look at her resume and put her in Newport, Rhode Island. Oh, that's exactly where Barbara Krachikova wants to go. But with that <laughs> in mind, any final thoughts before we wrap the show? Yeah, just uh, I'm hoping for for a great final. Um, and I think if they play, if both of them play their best tennis, we're going to get a heck of a match because Tsitsipas is, is really He's close. Like th- this, this should be good. Fascinating. Lots on the line. It's a, it's what it's all about. Final question: Do we get a best of three versus best of five debate to wrap things up? Do we get a Hawkeye debate on tennis Twitter to wrap things up, or do we just get like some sort of general beef? In, uh, on like what what's the beef? What's the trending topic on tennis Twitter during the match? Let's go serve clock. Uh, oh, oh, <laughs> that was a good pivot. Serve clock is actually plus 750. So I'll lock you in on that. I'm going to long shot. Yep. Yeah, no, that's the long shot. That's perfect. Well, as always, Gail, it is a pleasure to be joined by you this morning. Again, next time we do this, we'll have both had our coffee or whatever it is that wakes us up. Uh, but of course, thank you for joining us. Hope you enjoyed the match. And with that in mind, for the wonderful Gil Gross, for super producer Daniel Westoff on the ones and twos ads, always, and for all of us here at Crack Rackets, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. We hope you enjoyed the 2021 men's singles final. Novak Djokovic taking on Stefano Tsitsipas. We'll talk to you all later. Thanks, everyone.